With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Tennis.com podcast. Catching up again with Steve Tigner, I'm Ed McGrogan, and uh, Steve, we, uh, we've we entered, you know, after a month of you know, pretty relatively quiet tournaments, you know, no shortage of tournaments by any means, but we're in, you know, that includes Monte Carlo, Stuttgart, among others. But uh, now in when May arrives, you really get that push to the French Open. It, it's pretty. It's a pretty big push. It, it, there's really no slowdown from start to finish, and we we kick it off with Madrid. And there's you know been quite a bit to talk about already. Yeah, you know, it suddenly picks up. It's um, everybody's at this tournament. All the seeds. Everybody on the women's side. Everybody, but. Pretty much everybody but Novak Djokovic on the on the men's. You can kind of get a feel for how how much tennis there is to be played in a short amount of time. That Djokovic would take this tournament off one of the you know one of the year's biggest because he feels like he's going to get enough next week in Rome and then two weeks in Paris. You know, you know there's there's enough upcoming that he can he can even take this week off and and probably is right to do it. Yeah, I, I, when that was mentioned, I did forget that Djokovic had one had, sorry he didn't even play in Madrid last year as well so it was very prudent from uh sort of a rankings point perspective though though he had a lot to gain um he wouldn't have anything to lose which is really almost just as important if not more so at times so um that is a, a smart you know I think a pretty fair move by Djokovic there to to leave uh the hard lifting to Rome and Roland Garros um you know, in Madrid here, like you said, everybody else has arrived, but a lot of the uh, bigger players have actually already, you know, quite a few have actually already fallen already. This is Monday when we're recording this, um, just after play finishes on the women's side. And before we even got going in the week here, we had um, Simona Halep going down in a pretty big upset. I mean, I think at this point with Halep, we're really, we've really put her in, I think, a, a certainly the uppermost echelon aside from Serena Williams. Um, and she goes down to uh, Elise Cornet uh, in her opening match. Certainly, a, you know, this is not an, this is not a typical first-round opponent. You're not going to see Cornet first round in a Grand Slam, for example. Um, but this is what you get when um, in Madrid, and I think Ion Tiriak has often said, he's talked about how, even in his his ventures to try to build this up as you know almost a almost a, a fifth slam type of event, he's always talked about how he loves the fact that 
it's just the 32 player, the 32 best or 64 best from each tour, and you get these great matchups right away. And this is what happens sometimes. Yeah, he's always been big on keeping the draw small. Of course, he always also wants this tournament to be the biggest, you know, one of the biggest. But um, but yeah, you get the women's draw, especially a 64 draw with no buys. Uh, the men have eight buys. The eight top seeds get buys, but nobody nobody gets a buy in the women's, and that's what happened to Halep. Um, and Cornet is a tough first round. You know, that's a th- really like a that's a third round match at a Grand Slam um, to play Cornet. But Halep, you know, she was the bright spot outside of Serena on the women's tour this spring. She's had two kind of, I guess you would say, disappointing matches in a row now. You know, you, she, when she came into the clay season, it looked like she could really challenge for the French Open title. She made the final there last year. That looks like this is her best surface. She made the final in Madrid. But she really got worn down, I thought, against Wozniacki. And then against Cornet, I felt like she tried to, she pressed a little too much. Uh, she went, I feel like she went for her shots, which is what you want to do. But she almost, she almost overdid that, which, and Cornet played well. But it almost just makes it seem to me like Halep will always have, at her size, not being big and not being able to serve somebody off the court or hit somebody off the court. It's always going to be a fine line for her to play offensively but not to overplay and you know I, I think that's something she, she'll always have to you know find that balance it was the same with Justine Ennen she she could do the same thing overplay a little um, in trying to in trying to press the issue because she felt like she couldn't really play she didn't want to play defense all the time yeah and um, I think also it's it's I think it's worth saying you know about Cornet and you know you and I certainly agree on her caliber and you know where she falls into a draw like this. Um, Cornet, I think, is you know kind of a quintessential big match player and really has trouble in prosperity because when we've bestowed some expectation on her when she has had you know, higher seeds. Um, she's really kind of fallen apart, you know, not only on the, you know, not only sort of in the game, really the emotional side of things as well. That's that's pretty well documented if you've if you trade in Twitter and all that uh, and that about her. Um, but she gets another, you know, very big win here. She's beat Serena pretty recently in the past a couple times. Um, and for Halep, defending French Open finalist. Um, I guess the concern, you know, to me, this is not a great result. Of course, it would be, it would be really concerning if, if Rome doesn't also turn out, you know, well for her in, in after going down to Wozniacki, you know, previous week, I, I I do think the, her successful March, um, definitely has that, uh, you know, she, I think she got some currency, got some money to play with. Uh, in terms of really just dispelling what was kind of a downward slide after the Australian Open, that that loss to Makarova really seemed to kind of anger her, and I think it it, it you know really got the critics kind of talking about where Halep really stands. Um, but I think it's a pretty big month overall coming up for her. You know, like I said, she's proven herself on clay before. And but I do think these are pretty important weeks coming up as we kind of see where Halep settles in the the firmament of the tour here. I think that's true. Also, just going back to Cornet, like you say, she can't handle prosperity. It seems because she she's already lost her next match. She lost to Vinci today. So you know that was that was a good 
prediction if you didn't if you didn't know that that happened um it's proven to be true that she couldn't follow up that that big win but but you know i think Halep will be fine i guess i guess you look now for somebody who can challenge serena right away because sharapova's had some struggles like you know we're looking for somebody so you look to Halep next and you know maybe it's not fair to to think of her as can she be the next justine hennon you know she's not there yet obviously um, but we're looking for somebody like that, and I think that's the person you turn to now. So it's a little, so you, you maybe expect a little more from her. Well, maybe the person who can challenge Serena right away will be her very next opponent in this draw. And I, I know that's a little bit of a diversion from where you're going with that, but it, it, in some respects, we've been assuming Victoria Azarenka can win her second round match um, over Tamjanovic. Uh, She'll play Serena in the third round of this draw. Uh, this, you know, like we go back to to what I said about Tyriac and how this draw um, materialized. Uh, the top quarter of this this tournament is is unbelievably uh, loaded with talent here. Um, Serena, you know, just beat Sloane Stevens. You know, there's a lot of great unseated players, which is part of the reason that Sloane Stevens. Azarenka both unseated. Um, first round, you had Azarenka beating Venus Williams. First of all, you know maybe let's start with that, and we then we can go a little further there. I mean, um, you know, that's a. I have to say, from what we're, we've been kind of wondering where Vika kind of shakes out after you know getting some some tournaments back, some time back on the tour, and I think overall it's it's been a pretty good year so far. You know considering what uh you know what the expectations were yeah you feel like she really needs to be seated at this point she's coming in and playing good players early at a lot of these tournaments um the australian open she had wozniacki here she had venus in the very first round it was unfortunate for venus she got off to a slow start it looked like she just wasn't you know wasn't quite ready to be at that level she lost the first set she got better in the second set but not fast enough Azarenka got a little nervous in the second, but held on, which I think was a good is a good sign for her. She's lost a bunch of times to Venus in the past. Azarenka sort of been slowly making her way back. That's a good win for her. I feel like, like like I was just saying, the tour is looking for somebody to challenge. Serena Vika is obviously somebody who's done that, um, and I keep saying that she'll be she'll be back in the top five someday. It's taken a little longer for her to to get back to where she's could be seated than I thought it would. But um but her game looks good and she looks determined again. Uh, none of the distractions from the last or injuries from the last year. And uh, you know that'll be I would assume now that she'll play Serena and that you know that that'll be an interesting match. Yeah, I mean when we've you know the 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 Azarenka Serena past has been a very compelling past and um you know somewhat Somewhat interrupted by um, by injury, by you know, th- both of these players really have had have you know, they've rarely gotten through um, t- long stretches of their career without significant injury. You know, Azarenka most recently, uh, but that may you know that could be one of really the big you know, takeaways from an event like this. You know. A few weeks from now, we're going to probably really, you know, Madrid is going to be firmly in the rearview mirror. Um, it's really going to be kind of reset once we get to the French Open. 
and you know seeing what a player like Azarenka can can do in an event like this. You know she can, you know like you say, there's a lot of um, a lot of ranking to ranking points to be gained by her, and probably pretty important if if she you know really aims to kind of have success not only at the French but at Wimbledon since it's not that far away from from uh, each other. And um, you know should Azarenka you know play Serena, play her well, perhaps even beat her here, it would be. You know, it could be the first. It would be the first loss Serena even takes on the year. So I think there's a tremendous uh, bit of interest in this match that may happen. Hopefully, does happen. Yeah, you know, Azarenka has, hasn't done that well on clay in the past. She's been to the final of this. She's been to the semis of the French, but not as well as you might think she would. I think she could be better on this surface. Um, you know, I think there's a lot there for her to gain going through this spring. You know, hard courts have always been her where she's played her best but I don't feel I think like there's no real there's no good reason I can think that she can't be successful on clay and this could be a good this could be a stretch good stretch for her but that said I feel like Serena and the the two matches I've seen of her in Madrid looks if anything pretty pretty dialed in pretty taking this idea of of being undefeated um and not wanting to lose a first match you know maybe taking it pretty seriously she looks like she's not there haven't been any hiccups or problems so far so beating her you know Azarenka beating Serena no matter what how well she's playing is a big that's a big step what else have you seen thus far from Madrid both on you know either on the women's side or the men's side um there's obviously this is this is a pretty good tournament if you really just want to kind of sit back and veg out from morning until uh late afternoon because this you know, in, in traditional Spanish, you know, fashion, this this one kind of runs late over there, and it means it runs on a pretty nice clip here in the U.S. Uh, goes pretty much all day, and like I said, there's a lot of good matches really on both sides. Yeah, from an American point of view, when it comes to European clay, we have to mention the wins we we can get them. Isner, Query, and Steve Johnson all won matches today. Um, we may, may not be able to say that again in the next couple of days, but should mention it now. But also Isner is near Federer in in that part of the draw. Federer could also play Nick Kyrgios in the first round. And then he could play Isner after that. That could be interesting. Isner has shown some some life this spring and he, we know he's he's done well on clay in two out of three set set matches in the past. Um and he's beat Federer on clay in best three out of five in fact. Beat Federer on clay and then there's another American Jack Sock, who's had a you know had a pretty good run recently. He'll play Pablo Andohar in in Madrid. So maybe this is these first few days are a chance to mention at least the Americans on clay, um, you know, in Madrid. For um, you know, that's another strong quarter of the uh, of the draw. Really, it's the it's top quarter as well on the men's side. This is this is uh, where. Number one seed Roger Federer is, um, as you pointed out, I think in, in your preview, that's it's really kind of a, a, a time warp because it, it's been a long time since we have been able to say that in a um, in a Masters tournament. Now, of course, Federer was clearly the number one seed where he won this past week in uh, Istanbul. That's not any huge surprise. Federer, on the rare occasion, he does dabble in uh, some of these lower-level tournaments. You can usually expect him to win. He did that. Um, he did that in the past. Uh, actually, in Estoril, I remember. Um, 
And then, you know, opposite Federer, like you said, he could play Kyrgios pretty early. Um, I think that's perhaps in danger only because Kyrgios plays a, uh, a you know a good a good clay player in Jimeno Traver, and Kyrgios is coming off a, a long run of his own this past week in Estoril. Um, all that to say, really, that um, that Kyrgios, you know, a pretty nice week for him. He um, he goes down to Gasquet in the final, but uh, puts together really uh, actually the best probably tour week of his young career thus far. Yeah, that was a that was you know an, I think an important week for him. He's Kyrgios was has been and, has played yeah, well. and this is and this is someone that now I think of it, you mentioned quite early on in this week uh, in before Estoril began is really a potential opportunity here. Yeah, he hadn't really done much at smaller tournaments. He seemed to be only focused in on. On. He'd been to two Grand Slam quarterfinals, but hadn't won a match um, at a 250 level event, which is obviously the opposite of the way most players develop. But that's that's the way Kyrgios has done it. But he he showed that he can, you know, he won some close matches. He made the final of a of a clay court tournament. That's kind of you know a solid week on tour for for a guy like that for you know to go out grind it out in a smaller event. And uh, on a different surface than what we we know he can play on, so that I think that's a you know that's a solid sort of professional effort from him. Um, but you're right; he could he he'll, he'll have a tough match against Jimeno Traver in the first round. For Federer, I feel like that win in Istanbul, I think that was a good win for him. He 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 played some close matches against guys he would normally beat badly, so you feel like his form was off. But by the end, you know, if he lost one of those, you sort of question what kind of confidence and form he has. Coming to Madrid, and really, what kind of what his clay court season is going to be like? He's already talked about how he might not play Rome. You know what what would happen in Madrid? Um, you know, obviously, his main focus is beyond, after this, after the French Open is Wimbledon. But I feel like that win is a good one, which will, which will, I think will will do. You know, I think that'll do good things for him at the at Madrid. It's, Madrid is a tournament that he likes. He hasn't been the first seed here since 2010, like you said. But he's won it three times. Um, he, he won it in 2012. I was on blue clay, but he's won it other times. He beat Rafa here. Uh, so this is a tournament that he's done well. He has a somewhat of a tough draw, but I, I feel like that win in Istanbul, I think that's a good one for him. Yeah, the and, and the way the, the, the men's draw did shake out is that um, Federer and Nadal are on one side of the draw um, as the one and the three seed. Um, and with Djokovic not playing, um, you, you do get, I think, the possibility for kind of a big sort of breakthrough type of event for, you know, a number of players on the up on the other half of the draw that are won't will only have to beat, you know, one potentially one of those, you know, big three players there, um, you know, just as surprising as. Roger Federer seeing the one next to his name, I think even more surprising in a clay Masters is seeing Andy Murray the number two. If to see Murray ranked above Nadal is just is just almost comical when you think about it. But it, it's obviously, you know, there's no subjective seating here. Um, Nishikori the four, Raonic the five, David Ferrer the seven. Um, you know, to me this is it's going to be kind of just as interesting to see really who takes advantage of, of this tournament because, you know, like we've said, it's, it's, we're not, 
assuming you know Federer pulls out of Rome, and I, I fully expect that because you know not only is he playing this, but he did win, you know, the week before in Estero. Um, we're not going to get that full tournament of all the players until Roland Garros. Yeah, that's true. Um, we'll see who you know. I I'm looking at. You know, I also thought that Murray was a strange second seed, but he just won his first clay court tournament of his career this weekend in Munich. I don't know what that means for him coming forward. That might even hurt his chances in Madrid because he's going to be tired and he has to play the same. He might have to play the same player he played in the final there, Philip Kohlschreiber. But he did win a clay court event, so that's something. That's something for Murray. You know, he's he he's made himself you know worth watching now through the through the clay season for sure, and also. I think this is a, a big tournament for Kane Nishikori. He really should have won this tournament last year. He was beating Rafa in the final when he when he hurt himself. And he's battling with Rafa for the number four seed at the French. Um, this just seems like a tournament. And he's got a good he's on a good side of the draw with with Murray and Ferrer and Raonic. He he avoids he avoids Rafa and Federer. Um, so I think this is a big opportunity for Nishikori. Yep, fantastic, uh, fantastic as we uh, move along here. And um, yeah, for Madrid, we'll have actually reports every day from Steve uh, through the weekend on the site. Um, you know, I think uh, once there's a lot to digest, especially in these opening rounds where, like I said, wall-to-wall coverage. And uh, we'll keep that going along through the week here on Tennis.com. Uh, and tune in again with us in the podcast next week on Monday, of course. And uh, until then, for Steve Tigner, I'm Ed McGrogan. Thank you for listening to the Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.